You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Honored that you chose to be with us today as we are kicking off a new three-week series called Money Talks. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about uh, how we handle our finances, our relationship to money. So we ought to be talking about it in church. And so we're going to do that over the next three weeks. Now, let me just say this to you. This series uh, isn't just about uh, financial health and, and biblical principles. It is about that. But I want you to think about it this way. I want to reframe it for you. I want you to think of it as discipleship. I think so many times we think about, you know, discipleship, following Jesus. That means I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible. But my finances, that's personal. That's over here. But how many of you know to be a follower of Jesus is to love God holistically with every part of your life? No compartments. To love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and and your strength. I'm going to need some amens today because I'm talking about money. And so it's not an easy subject, so I need you to help me. I'm going to help you, and you're going to help me. So this is about discipleship. Jesus had a lot to say about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? The scripture has a lot to say about how we use and handle our finances. Here's the other thing I want you to know. I recognize that we're all in different places in our financial journey. How you apply the principles that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is going to look different for everybody, okay? For example, we got some people here who are retired or close to being retired. We're happy for you and jealous at the same time. Amen, somebody. And we got some people on the opposite end of the spectrum. You're just starting out in your career and everything in between. And so here's what I like to say. A sermon isn't the conversation. It's the beginning of a conversation. We want to spark a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit in your spouse if you're married so you can continue this conversation but I recognize we're going to have to apply it in a lot of different ways and I'm believing over the next few weeks there's going to be something for everybody and here's the last thing I want to say maybe you're new today and you're like oh my gosh did I come to one of those churches that all they ever do is talk about money no just relax we're not one of those churches we do receive an offering every week and we unashamedly invite people to give to the work of God because we believe that is one of the hallmarks of being a follower of Jesus to live generously but I want you know this. We want something for you, not from you. Our church isn't in the middle of a fundraiser or a capital campaign or anything like that. We want you to, to be blessed. We want you to be living in the goodness of God. We want you stress-free. We want you honoring God in every area of your life. And so that's what this series is all about. Now, speaking of money, I'm wondering if anybody in here is like me and you're feeling just a little bit of stress from all this inflation. Anybody, your grocery bill is looking a little bit like mine these days. I got three boys that are eating me out of house and home. It's bad when your pastor is thinking about selling crack so he can afford to live in Westchester. It's bad. You don't, you don't want to be thinking about those things, right? I mean, really, these kids, like, I, I'm like, I don't know how I can afford it. I'm going to have to receive a special offering so Pastor Jeremy can feed his three boys. I recently was reading a report on the top 10 inflation categories. This is from a report from December of 2022, and this is based on consumer price index data. And I want to give you some of the top categories, just a few of these, and you can tell me if you're feeling this pain in your wallet. I read that lettuce was up 24.9% from last year. Come on, we're all the salad green eating people who eat healthy. 24.9% so you can eat healthy. Butter is up 31.4%. I put butter on everything. 
up 31.4%. And I know you're feeling the pain with this one. Eggs, come on. Eggs are up 59.9%. Instead of selling drugs, I might start selling eggs. You're going to see me on the corner. I'm going to open up my jacket and be like, yo, what you looking for? I got you. Extra large, large, huh? Come on. I'm your connection. I'm your guy. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, we used to say you're worth your weight in gold. I have to start saying you're worth your weight in eggs. <laughs> but speaking of stress, one of the things that contributes to financial stress more than anything else is the D word, and it's debt. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I have never heard anyone say, ever since I got into debt, my marriage is so much better. Never heard anybody say that. I have never heard anybody say the massively high interest rate on my credit card has improved my love life. <laughs> nope, never heard anybody say that. I have never heard anybody say, Pastor, every night when I lay my head on the piddle and I go to bed at night, I thank God for my debt. I've never heard anyone say that. But I have heard people say, I wish we could give more to others in need and be generous, but we just can't afford to do that right now. I have heard people say, I wish we didn't fight so much about finances. I have heard people say, we wish we could travel, but that's not even a possibility for us right now. Why? Because we have all of this financial stress from all of this debt. Now, let me talk to you about some of the reasons that we end up getting into debt and incurring all of this financial stress. And if you're debt-free today, God bless you. We're happy for you. But there are a lot of people in this room who aren't. There are a lot of people right now, I know this is very real for you. You're feeling this squeeze. You're feeling this stress. And so we want to lean into that. Let me give you a couple reasons why we, why we get ourselves into this mess. Well, first of all, we live in a culture that continually emphasizes immediate gratification. Like buy now and ask questions later. In a thousand different directions, right? Everywhere you shop and go, it's buy now and figure it out later on. Another reason that we, we get in over our heads is that many of us, we weren't educated when it comes to handling money. You know, how many of you know the schools just don't teach this as much? And we need to be learning things like depreciation and investing and compound interest. And a lot of us, we never learned these things in school. And so we had to learn the good old-fashioned way, the hard way. The third thing is, another reason why a lot of us are feeling financial stress is many of us have made some mistakes. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody in this room today because here's the reality. Here's one thing we all have in common. We've probably all made a stupid decision when it comes to money at some point in line, at some point in time, right? Anybody with me? We have all can look back and, and look at decisions that we regret in terms of money. And I know for many of you in this place, when you think about this, you feel embarrassed, you feel helpless, maybe you feel a sense of hopelessness about your financial situation, and it's overwhelming, and, and, and you would rather not even think about it. But can I just encourage you today, don't do that. We want to lean into this. Uh, I believe that God can help you. I believe uh, that, that God is a, a, a God who wants to, us walking in freedom, that God can give you hope. So I came to encourage you today. I came to speak hope and freedom over you. But we got to take this serious. And I want to start by reading this scripture to you. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. In other words, the less debt you have, the more freedom you have. I believe God wants something better for us than for all of us to be financially stressed out and up to our eyeballs in, in debt and, and in financial bondage. 
What does debt do to us? Debt increases the pressure on you financially because you have less margin for emergencies and needs that come up. Debt steals your joy. You find yourself not being able to enjoy your money, not being able to buy things and enjoy things because you're always worried about what it's going to cost you. Debt puts pressure on relationships and marriages. You know, research continually shows that one of the top contributing factors to divorce in this nation is financial stress. It's just a reality. And many of you are experiencing that in your relationships, in your marriage, if you're married. Debt cripples your ability to be generous. I know many people, many Christians, you have compassion in your heart, but nothing in your wallet to do anything about it. And so I want you to stop and imagine today with faith what it would look like to be free of financial stress. What would it look like to be free of financial stress. Imagine something breaks in your house and you're not stressed out about it. You get the money on hand to just fix it. Imagine you want to buy something and for once you can buy something with cash without having to put money down and make monthly payments and incurring interest. Wouldn't that be nice? Imagine somebody is in need in your family, in your life group, in your circle of friends, and you can step up and do something about it. You're in the position to be generous because you're not stressed out financially. Imagine when it comes to vacation planning, when the only thing that you have to think about, the only problem you have with figuring out your vacation is where to go because you have options. Come on, how many of you like options? The stress-free life sounds good, doesn't it? Stress-free life sounds good. If the practical side doesn't motivate you, I hope that the spiritual implications will. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He was talking about financial stewardship. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. In other words, God is calling us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted to us. Whoever is faithful with little, God can entrust that person with more. How many of you are like me and you want to be entrusted with more? God, I want to be the kind of person you can entrust me with more. And I think God is saying to us today, how are you doing with what I've given you now? How are you stewarding with what I've entrusted to you now? And so living with Integrity uh, in terms of how we handle our finances and what God has entrusted to us is actually a form of worship. I want you to think about it that way. It honors God. It pleases God. Wisely managing your, your financial resources is actually pleasing to God. And so here's the big idea today. God wants something better for us than living with self-inflicted financial stress. Come on, God wants something better for us than living with self-inflicted financial stress. Do you want something better for yourself? I hope you do. I want to speak some faith into some people today who you don't have faith for this, or you feel overwhelmed by this. I want to speak some hope into you. I want to encourage you to recognize that God is calling us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted to us, and the way we handle our finances is spiritual. Come on, how many of you want to be good stewards? You want that to describe you, that God could say of you, I'm proud of my sons and daughters because they have been good stewards with what I've entrusted to them. I hope that's your heart's desire. I'm praying for you over the next few weeks that that becomes your heart's desire. And so when our hearts are aligned to God's principles, when it comes to our finances, it's so much easier to live this out every day. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three prayers for a financially stress-free life. 
Three prayers that we need to pray that really set our hearts and our minds toward getting out of all this overwhelming debt and living with financial freedom. Three prayers that you can embrace. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Number one, God, give me self-control. Come on, can we pray that out loud together? One, two, three. God, give me self-control. Give me self-control. Look at the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. I love this word picture here. In ancient times, cities often had walls to protect them. If the walls were broken down, the city was vulnerable to ruin. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to self-control. If we live without self-control, we're vulnerable to ruin. doesn't mean you can't enjoy your money at all. doesn't mean you can't have any fun with your money at all. But the reality is we need boundaries around our desires to protect us. And if you don't have boundaries, if you have no boundaries, no limits on how you treat your finances, you're going to end up in financial ruin. So we need to pray, God, give me self-control. Because inside of every one of us in this room, we all have this in common, inside of every one of us in this room is a demanding little kid. Inside of you, right? How many of you have ever been in the grocery store and seen a toddler throw a temper tantrum and have a complete meltdown when they were asking their mom to buy them a toy or a candy bar and their mom said no? And what does that kid start doing? I want it now, right? How many of you are like me and you've ever been tempted to think to yourself, I would like to discipline that child for you? Like, if you're not going to spank them, can I do it for you? Y'all don't ever think like that? Y'all are more sanctified than me. <laughs> We've all seen that kid in the grocery store. And the reality is, even as grown adults, all of us have that little kid on the inside of us. And we got to lock that little kid up who wants what they want right now. we got to learn to live with self-control. I know this is true because I have a little kid on the inside of me. One side of me says, I want to spend less and save more for retirement. The other side says, I want to buy a hot tub, like right now. <laughs> you know, Amy and I, we've been talking about our finances leading up to this series and kind of shaping some things up and our family budget and cutting back on some spending. And I can get excited about that. But then there's another side of me that wants to turn around and blow it on everything else that I want at the same time. And so our prayer is, God, give me self-control. Can I give you some examples of crazy spending in our culture? I'm going to step on some toes today, but we're going to have fun with this, okay? Like just some examples of things that I've noticed over the, over the years. Like how many of you are familiar with this new phenomenon in our culture called birthday month? <laughs> it used to be birth day. Now it's like birthday month. I know I'm stepping on somebody's toes in here today, but people go crazy like all month long, right? It's birthday month. We're getting a limo and going to the city and going out to dinner. Then two nights later, we're going to a Broadway show. And then I'm taking this trip like all month long. Do you guys see this stuff on social media? And I'm not saying if you're having a big birthday, like if you have a milestone birthday, you should celebrate it, okay? You turn 40 or 50 or whatever, go celebrate your birthday. But I've had young professionals in church come up to me and be like, Pastor Jeremy, I just got back from Disney World to celebrate my birthday. And I'm like, that's awesome. How old are you? 23. I'm like, 23? That's not an accomplishment. Congratulations. You've lived on this planet for 23 years. You ought to be proud of yourself. <laughs> you turn 75, go to Disney World and party like it's your last day on planet Earth. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to mess with everybody today. How about parents? Parents in these birthday parties. Lord have mercy. Talk about one-upping each other. It's like out of control. I've talked to parents who are like, I can't afford to save for my kids' college education, but you spent $2,000 on their birthday party? When I was a kid, my parents used to order a pizza, get a birthday cake, and we would play tackle football in the yard, and it was the best thing in the world. We were so stinking happy. Come on, maybe we need to simplify things for our kids. 
and they would be happier than all this stuff that we think is making them happy. I know some young professionals who, who would say, I can't afford to pay off these student loans, but every time a snowflake falls, you're in the Caribbean. Hello, you've been to the Caribbean more than me, and I'm not broke like you. <laughs> oh, come on, I told you, I'm gonna mess with everybody today. Our prayers, Lord, give me self-control. Lord, give me self-control. Here's the idea. We've got to learn to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. What does that mean? If you're, if you're struggling with debt, if you're all financially stressed out because you're overwhelmed with debt, you've got to learn to say no for a little while, get some self-control, get some discipline so you can say yes for the rest of your life, stress-free and enjoy your money. And so maybe for some of you, it's eating out a little bit less. Maybe it's driving a used car instead of a new car. Uh, maybe some of you parents, it's denying your kids the latest expensive technological gadget. I know in some parts of Westchester, it's considered child abuse to not give your child the latest iPhone. Can I just set somebody free today, parents, and let you know it is not child abuse to deny your child the latest iPhone. Oh, it's too quiet in here today. It's too quiet in here today. Y'all got to hang around the Ziegler household. We're old school, Okay. You want an iPhone, get a job. We believe in child labor in the Ziegler house. And when they complain, we follow the advice of the U.S. State Department. We do not negotiate with terrorists. And you shouldn't either. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you do what everybody else does, you'll get everybody else's results. And the reality is, for the most part, everybody else is stressed out and broke. I don't know about you. I don't want everybody else's results. I want to live in the goodness of God. I want to live with the wisdom of God. I want to walk in the blessing of God. Dave Ramsey, many of you know Dave Ramsey, who's helped so many people, thousands of people get out of debt, save for retirement. He said, if you live like no one else, later on you can live and give like no one else. If you live these financial principles now, you're setting yourself up for a healthier financial future. Is this helping anybody today? Here's the second thing. Number two, second prayer we're going to pray is God give me understanding. Come on, everybody say understanding. God, give me understanding. Give me understanding. Look at this. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says this. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And this, this scripture isn't about finances necessarily, but I think we can take that idea and loosely apply it to finances. And that is that people are hurt because of a lack of knowledge. I think even God would lament the condition of his children and say, my children are often destroyed from a lack of financial knowledge. So for example... For many people, when it comes to buying something, they only ever ask two questions. How much do I have to put down and how much are the monthly payments? Instead of asking, what is this going to really cost me? I read a quote from a pastor the other day and he said, we ought to start thinking about uh, how much things are going to cost us, not just in terms of money, but in time. How much time is it going to cost you to own that thing that you're about to buy? Wow, there's some wisdom in that. But so many people don't ask the questions because they haven't gained financial understanding. Now, I want to give you a simple example, one illustration today of how compound interest can work for you and how it can work against you. And I know we have some very financially savvy people here in the New York City area. Many of you work in finance, you're Wall Street people, and some of you are going to be tempted as I'm talking about this to say, Pastor Jeremy, I know way more about that than you. I'm an expert in this, this field and I don't need to know this stuff, but somebody in here does. There's some people in here who need to hear this. And what I've also discovered is just because people know the financial principles don't mean they live by them. I've met plenty of doctors who are out of, uh, out of shape and overweight. And I've met plenty of financial people who aren't using the principles that they know. Okay? And so stick with me here. We all need to be humble and teachable. Amen? So let me give you a simple example, okay? Um, I did some research on household credit card debt. 
and uh, I found a few sources. And the average uh, household credit card debt in the U.S. is just about $9,000, according to the first couple sources that I found. Some are a little bit less, some are a little bit higher. So the average is about $9,000. Now, some of you are feeling good because you're below average. Some of you are feeling not so good because you're above average. If you're above average, let me just, and just applaud you today. You're finally above average, average in something, okay? <laughs> but here's the idea. If you were to pay $180 per month, which, rec- which represents a minimum payment, on $9,000 of debt at 24%, which is the average interest rate on a credit card, according to Forbes, I just looked this up this week, it would take you 30 years to pay it off and you'll end up paying $65,160 in interest on that $9,000. And I know that's a bit extreme. You'd say, well, Pastor Jeremy, I would never spend 30 years doing that, but we'll end up spending 30 years of interest and all kinds of other things. And we need to have these reminders We need to see these numbers and recognize how debt works against us. Now, if you were to instead save $9,000, invest $9,000, and let's say you got a 10% return, and I recognize that's a pretty high return for where the market is right now, but that's one of those kind of historic numbers that people use. 10% return over 30 years, you would have over $157,000. How many of you like the sound of that? Now think about this. If you invested $9,000 and you add $180 per month, instead of paying that on a credit card minimum payment, you were to invest that at a 10% return over 30 years, you would have over $531,000. How many of you want compound interest working for you rather than against you? And here's the thing. Many of us in this place, we know these principles. As I said, many of you, you're more financially savvy than me, but we need to be reminded of them. We need to be reminded of how debt can work against us and how investing can work for us. And so we've got to get intentional about learning, gaining understanding, seek out a mentor, get a financial advisor. I'm not a financial expert. I'm just a pastor. I just want to encourage you and help you. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity that's going to help you. We are starting a new life group that's going to be happening uh, this summer called Financial Peace University. It's a course that was pioneered by Dave Ramsey to help a lot of people get healthy in their finances. It's going to run for eight weeks starting Tuesday, July 11th. Pastor Danya is going to be leading that. And uh, I want to get out the way and make sure you guys can see that QR code. Maybe you want to take a picture of that, scan that. You can go to our website or our app, go to Next Steps Life Groups if you're watching online, and it'll be listed there in our life groups. It should be active now. Some of you, I want to encourage you, take this step of faith. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel stupid. I know there have been times where I have felt really dumb when it comes to finances. Like really, I was an English major, like, you know, and then a theology major, and I've had to learn. I've just applied myself to learning. And so don't let that stop you. If, if, if you need to gain some understanding, for many of you, this will be a great refresher in things that you've known, but you just need to be, you need to be reminded. Got to get some encouragement. And so I think something special happens when you get with a group of people and you decide together you're going to pursue financial health. And so for many you, this will be a great opportunity, and I want to encourage you to consider getting signed up for Financial Peace University. Pray for wisdom, but on your end, do everything you can to gain understanding. Amen? Cooperate with God's work in your life. Talking about three prayers that we can pray to experience a financially stress-free life. Here's the third one. The third one is, God, give me a plan. 
God, give me a plan. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Now, what does haste mean? I looked up haste in the original Hebrew language, and haste means I felt sad, so I went shopping. <laughs> Actually, that's not what it means. But you know what I'm talking about, retail therapy. Hello, ladies, I'm looking at you. We see you. We see you. <laughs> Here's what Scripture's telling us. Not having a plan leads to poverty. Not having a financial plan leads to financial ruin and financial stress and overwhelming debt. Here's the idea. You can wander into debt, but you never wander your way out. You can mistake your way into debt, but you don't mistake your way out of debt. You got to be intentional. You got to have a plan. And here's the reality. It's not that complicated. Most of us can figure out. It usually involves spending less and saving more. It's just that we don't like that. <laughs> that hurts. Denying ourselves doesn't feel good. But it's, it's not that hard. It's, it's not that complicated. It actually is hard. It's not complicated. But God can give us self-control. God can give us wisdom, and he can give you a plan. And so let me just kind of over, give you an overview of some of the basic things we should be thinking about. And many of these we're going to talk about in the Financial Peace University Life Group. So the first one is something as simple as living on a budget. Living on a written budget. Dave Ramsey says this, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> Anybody like me, you ever get to the end of the month sometime, you're like, where did my money go this month? And I think because money is digital these days, right? We don't handle it as much as we used to. And Amazon is just sucking it away from all of us every day. It's so easy just to lose track. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's so easy just to lose track and not even know where your money even went. And so there are a lot of digital tools out there these days that can help us track our money because the reality is because money is digital, it's easy to, to lose track of it. And I'll tell you, this is something Amy and I are working on right now. We're getting a little bit more serious about knowing exactly where our money is going besides feeding the three boys, okay? The other thing is having an emergency fund. We'll talk about this in the, in the class. Having an emergency fund so that when something breaks in your house, it's not like a, a complete catastrophe every time and you have something saved up to take care of that emergency. If you're a homeowner, you know as well as I know something's always going to break. It's not if, it's when. <laughs> Something is going to break. It's not if, it's when. Um, paying down debt. Uh, having some strategy like what we call the debt snowball, a debt stacking where you, uh, you pay off your, your lowest balance and then you take that amount and you start attacking your other loans. That's a great strategy to get out of debt. Having some savings, three to six months of living expenses in savings. These are basic things, but to be prepared in case there's a sickness, in case there's an emergency, in case you were to get laid off. Those things happen, right? We gotta be, we gotta be prepared. We gotta live with, with wisdom. Save things up so you have some, some margin. Investing for the future, saving for retirement. Newsflash, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but none of you are getting younger. I hate to tell you, now you're aging well, okay? You're a good-looking congregation, you're aging well, but you're not getting any younger. And the reality is, I think sometimes we just think like magically somebody's going to swoop into our lives and just take care of us in retirement. No, you got to take care of you. Some of y'all are believing like God is going to send some rich man into my life to marry me and take care of me. Come on, some of you ladies will say amen to that. Lord Jesus, pastor, pray him into my life. And I hope he's coming into your life, but for some of you, he's not. <laughs> and so you got to have a plan, all right? You got to have a plan to save and invest so you can live with less stress and live generously. Less stress and live generously. Remember, if we're faithful with a little, God can trust you with so much more. 
We want, to be, we want to be the kind of people that God can entrust us with more. If we're faithful, just steward what he's given to us now, God can bless us with more. So how many of you this past week were like me and you were kind of glued to this news story of the Titan submersible that went lost at sea, this terrible tragedy of these five people who died at sea? And of course, if you weren't following the, the news story, uh, there were these people who, who lost their lives on this submersible that was going down to explore the Titanic wreckage. And it's amazing to me how the Titanic wreckage, the Titanic story continues to loom large in our imagination. Well, before there was the Titanic, there was a ship called the Vasa. Now, the Vasa was a Swedish royal warship that was built in the 1600s, and it sank and spent 300 years at the bottom of Stockholm Harbor in Stockholm, Sweden. In fact, there's a museum where you can see the ship. I was in Stockholm back in 2018. I went over there to preach and train some church planners. And one of my Swedish pastor friends, Nicholas, he took me to the Vasa Museum. So they resurrected this ship and they refurbished it. It's like 90-something percent intact. It's amazing. And so now you can go to this museum. It's one of the most visited tourist sites in Stockholm. And uh, it was commissioned by the Swedish king. He, it took two years to build. It was very elaborate. You can see the elaborate carvings and the woodwork. And, and it was meant to be this really imposing battleship, like a flagship boat in the Swedish arsenal, in the Swedish navy, to put the other surrounding nations on notice of the power of the king of Sweden. This thing was like floating propaganda. It was, it was definitely built to make, a, to make an impression. And it was the first Swedish commission ship to have two rows of cannons. Do you see the two rows there? The turrets, the opening in the ship. So this thing was like loaded. It was a, a very imposing battleship. And here's the thing. It was flashy, but it wasn't built to last. It had a, a significant engineering problem. It was too top heavy. And so on its maiden voyage, in 1628, this thing sailed for only 1,400 yards when a gust of wind blew it over on its side and it began to take water in through those turrets and the ship sank quickly after all that expense. And 30 people died that day. Now here's the whole point. Here was this flashy, really impressive ship, but it wasn't built to last. And there are so many people who are flashy with their finances. You know, we compare ourselves to people. We, look, we get on social media and we, we, we look at people's houses and their cars and the vacations they take and the clothes they wear. And we kind of wish we could be like them. And here's the reality. You may think you, you wish you had their lifestyle, but you don't want the debt that's often associated with a lot of those lifestyles. Because so many people are mortgaged to the hilt. They're up to their eyeballs in, in, in debt. And they're just one gust of wind from blowing over and taking on water. They're one financial emergency from going under completely. And we don't want to live like that, do we? No, we want our finances to be built to last with the wisdom of God, with the principles of God, with self-control, with the help of the Holy Spirit. We want to live with some financial margin. We want to have some money in the bank. We want to pay down some debt so that we can honor God with our finances and breathe a little bit easier because God wants something better for us than living with self-inflicted financial stress. And I know there are some of you in this room today, you're feeling this stress right now. It's real. For some of you, it's overwhelming. Maybe you made some mistakes. You made some bad decisions. Some of you, it was life events. You went through a divorce. Some of you, I want to speak with compassion. I know we have a lot of young professionals and you came out of college and it just takes a lot more to get through college these days. And maybe you've got a lot of 
college debt compared to the generations before you. I understand. It's not that everybody in here was completely reckless with, with your finances, but some of us have made some, some bad decisions and maybe it feels overwhelming to you today. Come on, I came to church to encourage you today to speak hope over you, to speak freedom over you, to speak faith into you. It's amazing what God can do in your life when you begin to honor Him and do what's right. It's amazing what happens when you get in sync with the principles of God, with, with, with His guidelines for your life. As you begin to seek Him, as you get determined to honor Him, to honor the principles of His Word, let me just tell you something. It will set something into motion in your life. It's amazing how God will bless your faithfulness and He can accelerate the process and you can get out of debt a lot faster than you ever thought you could. It's amazing what happens when you trust God, how God can help you turn things around so much faster than you could ever imagine. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't let the lie of the enemy tell you that it's hopeless. No, no, no. There is hope with God. There is freedom in the things of God. And here's why I know, because I've lived it. I've experienced it. About 10 years ago, when Amy and I moved to Westchester, we were on a missionary budget, which means for the first time in my life, I had to raise my salary. So those of you who don't know us, we, we planted this church. We came here with nothing and nobody. There were no buildings, no people. And uh, it takes a lot of money to get a church off the ground. And part of that was raising our salary so our family could, could survive here. And in the early years of the church, we had to live really simply. We didn't go out to eat a whole lot. We didn't have cable. We didn't buy new clothes all the time. We drove one car for years. And we just had to live simple and create margin. And God began to bless that. And then we got determined to get out of debt. And, and God helped us be disciplined. And we paid our student loans off. And then God gave me an, an idea for a little side hustle. I started helping people who needed a pastor to marry them. It's a, a business that I have that's also a ministry for me. I've done over 130 weddings in the last few years. I've married everybody and their mama in Westchester County. <laughs> And God helped us as we worked hard, as we got disciplined, and we saved up for a down payment. And four years in, after moving here on a missionary budget, we were able to buy a house in Westchester County. And you know that's no small feat here. And God has provided. And all during that time, here's what I want you to know, we gave over 10%. We are tithers. We, we gave over 10% to the church. We give in every missions offering. We give in every Christmas offering. We sponsor a sponsor child. We've been able to be generous to people in need. Here's what I want you to understand. When God's hand is upon you, He can begin to accelerate the process. When you sync up with His principles, when you get determined to live with wisdom, when you get determined to live with self-control, God will bless you. God will bless you. God is a redemptive God. He's a redemptive God. If you've made some mistakes, you've made some bad decisions when it comes to your, your finances, I've got good news for you today. God is a redemptive God. He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sins, to redeem us from our bad decisions. And here's, here's our response. Our response is to give our lives back to Him in worship, to say, God, every part of my life belongs to you. My finances belong to you. My wallet belongs to you. Every part, God, I want to love you with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And so, God, I'm not going to compartmentalize my life, but this area of my life belongs to you as well. So we give ourselves back to Him, and His redemptive hand will be upon your life. So I want you to imagine what it would look like to live stress-free. Come on, just think about that for some of you who are in it right now. I want you to visualize this. I want you to visualize this. Have faith for it to imagine that if you will apply yourself, if you'll get serious about this, if you'll start taking some steps, start gaining understanding, get some self-control, God will bless it and you can begin to live 
stress-free, stress-free. Come on, we're gonna pray three prayers. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. And God, give me a plan. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray into this today. Stand with me this morning. Just bow your head. Maybe you wanna lift your hands today. as a symbol of saying, God, I'm releasing this stress and I'm opening my hands to your wisdom, to your blessings, to your goodness. I want you involved in my finances. I don't want to do it on my own. I want to honor you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the principles that you've given us. God, we thank you that you are a loving heavenly father who wants the best for your children. God, you want us to walk in freedom. You want us to walk in wholeness, in goodness. You don't want us living in stress. You don't want us living in bondage. And so Lord, today I'm declaring over your people hope. I'm declaring over your people freedom. I'm declaring your goodness as they begin to walk with you and honor you in this area of their lives. You're going to bless them. Father, we're praying for self-control. God, I thank you that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Holy Spirit, as we trust you, you're going to give us self-control. We're going to say no now so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. God, we're asking you for understanding. I thank you that your word says that if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it to us. God, we're asking. God, we're asking. Lord, give us wisdom in this area. And Lord, we're praying for a plan. God, I thank you that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. God, we're asking you to give us a plan, a strategy as we apply ourselves, God. You're going to order our steps so that we can walk into all that you have for us, your goodness, your kindness, your freedom, so that we can be fully who you created us to be. We can live in freedom and we can live generous lives toward others and toward your kingdom. We thank you for it. We believe you to do it in our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.